I'm just so proud of myself that I had the courage to like find out what if and to go down that road and not knowing where it would lead and if it would turn into something beautiful like it did or if it just kind of, you know, one of those enjoy the journey kind of things. everybody, Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to episode 196 of Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life. And my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. Well, let me tell you today's episode. <laughs> there is a lot. There's a lot of fun. Kira D'Amato, the newly minted, newly minted American record holder in the women's marathon. She is a professional runner and my new BFF. Don't just take it from me. Kira says so <laughs> in our convo. I absolutely loved the opportunity to chat with Kira D'Amato today. Not far removed from her shiny new American record of two hours, 19 minutes and 12 seconds, breaking Dina Castor's previous record from London in 2006. I adore Kira. I adore her energy. I adore her spirit. It didn't hurt that we started today's conversation with her complimenting me, but there are so many sentiments, takeaways, and awesome nuggets of wisdom in our conversation today that I am excited to bring to you, regardless of whether or not you are a runner, that are helpful and useful and wonderful. Kira's journey is one of perseverance and grit. In today's episode, she talks about her brief stint as a professional athlete after college, stepping away from the sport ultimately because of an injury and pursuing other things in life that made her happy during that time, including getting married, becoming a mother of two, also a full-time realtor, only to find her way back to running after dabbling in a bunch of other sports and modalities, knowing that this was a, at the time, hobby that brought her so much joy. And soon enough, that hobby would become a fiery, very, very real commitment to self and going after her big, crazy goals. For episode 196, Kira talks about what it's been like for her to juggle so many hats, what it was like to have a breakout year during 2020 and the prep and the buildup that came to that record-breaking Houston Marathon at the beginning of 2022. Plus, what's on tap next? And if you are not inspired to eat at least a full sleeve, is it a sleeve? There's three sleeves in one pack, a half pack, a single sleeve, you get what I'm saying, of Oreos by the time this conversation is over, well, then you weren't listening appropriately. Kira, again, a huge thank you for your time. I can't wait for you to get your cuteness over to New York so that we can go on a custom cookie tour. I'm planning it right now as I report this. Huge thank you. Huge thank you to all the Baltimore hurdlers that came out to hang last week. It was so great to meet you, IRL. And if you're listening to this and I met you at the BBYO International Convention, I am better for having the opportunity to speak to goodness. So many teens, you all inspire me to want to be a better me. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast on social. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And also, if you do not yet subscribe to the Weekly Hurdle, I would love for you to do so. The link to do that is in the show notes. The Weekly Hurdle are 
newsletter that comes out every single Friday morning, bringing a lot of the same inspiration, motivation, and things that you love about the show directly into your inbox, likely before you even get out of bed in the morning. Last little bit of housekeeping here. I mentioned this in Friday's episode, but if you are a DC hurdler, save the date for March 16th. I'm coming your way. We're going to have some fun, more info and details to come soon, but I want you to save it because I want to see you. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Kira D'Amato. She is a pro runner. I feel as though she needs no introduction, but how you doing, Kira? I am doing wonderful, and I am so thrilled to be on your podcast. Your voice is the best voice in the world. I started listening to your podcast, and I'm like, her, I'm addicted. Like, you have the most amazing voice, and I am so excited to be able to talk to you in your voice. I'm sitting here. If you could see me, maybe I'll post this clip, but I feel like just now I was that emoji with like the big, open, watery eyes when it's just like, <laughs> that's so kind. You know what? I feel as though when you have a voice that is like not typical. Like I know I'm very aware that I have a different voice. So you people either love my voice or they're like, I am all set with that. Oh, it is. It is beautiful. I have serious voice envy. Oh, you're very kind to me. You're very kind to me. This this is about you. It's not necessarily about me. So I'm going I'm to turn this around for you while bringing my own experience into this moment. This is a fun full circle moment for me because in the first six months of the show, I uh, was really excited because I had Dina Castor on the show and we actually recorded in a London hotel room. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is such a great get for the podcast. Like it's so crazy. And also simultaneously thinking to myself, like how much longer is this woman going to hold this record for? And now fast forward four years later, I'm sitting here with you, the person that broke that record. The show is in a completely different place. And I am just so excited to learn more about you than what I have completely consumed on every other podcast I've listened to, but also just like hear about your journey because it is, it's such a big moment, not just for, for you and your family and your career, but women's running as a whole. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think on that day that I broke Dina Castor's record, Sarah Hall also broke the American record for the half marathon. And I thought it was just such a powerful day for American distance women running for two women in their late 30s to be crushing it, I think is just so exciting just to open up. I feel like the floodgates have just opened and we're about to see a lot more records go down. And it's just really exciting to see like where that is now going to propel our uh, our country. Yeah, I don't want to like get us too far ahead here, but I do think that the sentiment of you getting back into running because it was something that brought you joy again later in life after having previous experience as a runner, that is something that a lot of women and men too may think about, but they're like, eh, you know, eh, maybe not, maybe I shouldn't, I don't know. But like seeing that behavior modeled and for you to, for it to pay off in such a big way, for sure, I do believe it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's crazy for like a decade before, I guess it was, you know, I took about seven years off between round one of my competitive running and round two. And I call it like my elaborate halftime show. But for like seven years while I wasn't running competitively, like I was thinking like, what if, you know, and what would have, could have, should have, you know? And so I sat with those feelings and I learned to kind of accept that, you know, I wouldn't reach those dreams and I didn't have those like goals anymore. But then just coming back 
I'm just so proud of myself that I had the courage to like find out what if and to go down that road and not knowing where it would lead and if it would turn into something beautiful like it did or if it just kind of, you know, one of those enjoy the journey kind of things. But I think that that's something that like a lot of people can relate to is they have that thing that maybe they aren't pursuing because of life or parents or just a crazy work schedule, you know, and I think it's just important to be able to carve out a little bit of time for the, you know, those little passions. Yeah. And you said the word courage and it is courageous, right? Because you have to go into this being entirely open to whatever may happen as a result of kind of getting vulnerable with yourself again, right? So for you to be like, all right, I'm going to try this thing. You had to go into it with a certain amount of grace, knowing that it could go really well. It could not go really well. And that that definition of the word well was going to evolve over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think from my like previous running, and then I you know, took some time back, I learned a lot about failure. You know, I had those dreams that I didn't hit and I was so scared of failure. And then I experienced it and I'm like, well, this isn't that bad. I'm still happy. You know, I'm still Kira. Like I found other things that I really like too. And so coming into this round, not being afraid of the failure so I can line up. And like, I remember thinking the morning I'm on the starting line, you know, and two hours and 19 minutes later, I'd set the American record. But my thought was, maybe it's going to happen today. Maybe it's not. If it does, great. If it doesn't, I'm still I'm going to be exactly where I am right now. And that's okay, too. So I think that being able just to accept that risk and not being afraid of what happens if I fail has really allowed me to like, you know, accomplish these things. Yeah, I think I was listening to one of the conversations that you had with Chris Chavez on the Sidious Mag podcast, and you were talking about the time that you decided to set up a 100-meter uh, race with your husband after seeing that runoff uh, for, at, was it at the Olympics? I'm forgetting it, the details now. So it was the Olympic trials in 2012, and there was the there was two women that tied for third place, and then the U.S. Right. picks the top three. So two women tied, and then there was going to be a race-off. So my husband and I like, we should do a race off. And so like we literally went into our street and like marked off what we thought was close to 100 meters and like raced. And one of us took one of the women, one of us pretended to be the other one. And I remember winning. He remembers that he won. So I think there's clearly two sides to that story. But it was just so fun. And that's where I was at that point. It's just kind of watching track as a spectator and just enjoying it as a fan. Yeah, as totally. And it, it was funny because I, I listened to you say that and I texted a, a dear friend of mine, Kara, and I was like, you and your husband are Kira and her husband. Like you two, both runners would do the exact same thing. And she said to me that she had heard or read once that you said every race that you start, you think this could be the last race I'll ever have to run. And if I don't like it, I don't have to do it again. And she was like, that has become my 100% attitude for every single race I well, show up to. At some point in a race, I call it the embrace the suck, where just like everything hurts, like your body's tired, it's trying to convince your mind to stop. And in that, like more times than not, I convince myself during that time, like, okay, body, don't give up on me this time, just push through. And then we never have to do this again. Like this will be our last run. We just never have to run again if we don't want to. So it's like, I don't know if that's good or bad. And you know, and I think partly with running, like it's just so mental that you have to say whatever it is to like get yourself through. And then afterwards, like you're so proud that you pushed through that. Right. And then you figured out what to say, to, like trick your mind and body to like un 
discover like the, your l- new limits. So, but it is, I mean, I've thought that my whole life. I remember my first race I ever did. I thought that in this last marathon, I thought that same thought, you know, so it's just, it's just pretty funny. Are you not concerned at this point with what, I mean, you're obviously, you have a large platform. You're very well known in the sport now. I would hope so being the American woman's record holder in the marathon. Do you, are you not concerned with what other people think about what you do? Um, I hope. As far as like my technique and my style, I'm okay that I'm doing everything differently. Like that's totally yeah. fine because I feel like with anything in life, like it's a, you can take a very individual path and get there. I always say there's more than one way up the mountain. But as far as like caring what people think, like I, I do, like I hope they, as far as my character, right? I hope they think I'm a kind person, a supportive person. Like I, you know, so I do, that really means a lot to me that like just to empower other women and to support other women. Like I would feel terrible if, if people didn't think that about me, but as far as like my technique and the way that I do it, I'm okay taking the, you know, path less taken. Yeah, no, I mean, I ask you that because I think that that fear or like concern over the opinions of others can be something that unfortunately does hold some people back when it comes to maybe putting themselves out there to get back into something or looking foolish. So for you, I mean, it is impressive and also just really admirable that even if that was a factor in how you went upon your execution, like it wasn't the thing that held you back from going after the thing that you wanted. Right. And I think like I have different like constraints and strengths, I guess, for training. So I have to fill that all in. Like I am a mother of two and I'm also a full-time realtor. So I have to work around and find a new way to fit everything into my life. So whereas, you know, some people may look at that as like a weakness that I have other things for me, I see that as a strength that I don't obsess over running. Like when I take off my running shoes, it's on to real estate or being mom or being a wife. And I think for me, that helps me. I can be an anxious person. So for me, it's a gift to be able to distract my mind and to work towards other things. So I'm just not thinking and obsessing over running. So, um, you know, I think just everyone has their own way and their own, I don't know what I'm even trying to say, but I think everyone needs to do it a little bit differently. Yeah, I hear that. Well, I feel as though we owe it to some of the hurdlers to definitely do a little bit of a dial back now so that they can get a better understanding of what's going on here. I mean, I'm not surprised we hit the ground running. Uh, Pun intended. intended. But yeah, (laughs) I know. I know you of all people appreciate a good pun, a good joke. Where do the Strava puns come from? So they originated from popsicle sticks. You know, those like I'd give my kids those popsicle sticks where you get like a joke on the end and then you have to eat the popsicle to find out what like the riddle or the joke answer is. So that's where it started coming from, because we were like really crushing a lot of popsicles in my house. I would just kind of save the sticks and put them up on Strava because Strava is awesome. But when you scroll through, like if you don't change the automatic run title, it's just morning run, afternoon run, night run. And that's kind of like that's kind of boring, you know, so I wanted to like spice it up and maybe make people smile. And then like I stopped doing it for a little bit and I'd get like morning runs, not a joke, Kira, like, come on, you know, let's, you know. And so then I was like, I guess I got to keep this going. So then it's just like a combination of jokes I've heard throughout my life. And I have like the worst memory, but somehow jokes like 
find a way to implant them like in my brain so I just don't forget them. Like I wish I could like remove part of that and like hold on to like a little bit, you know, I don't know, just more important stuff. But yeah, I just have a part of my brain carved out for jokes, I guess. Part of my brain carved out for jokes. So for those of you that don't follow Kira on Strava or use Strava, when you go for a run, it automatically uploads to this app. And as we're saying, it automatically uploads and just usually says like time of day run. So morning run, afternoon run, evening run. And instead you can edit that. So Kira edits them and puts in lots of funny jokes. And it's always, you know what? It is a nice break in my feed of like what's going on. It's like all this seriousness. And then it's like, insert like the funniest dad joke you've ever heard here. Well, the best part of that now that people know I like jokes so much is people, even people I don't know will hear a joke and they'll send it to me and be like, oh, I just saw this joke on a billboard or someone just told me this joke and I thought you like it. And every time I receive a joke, I just think like I'm doing something right. Like something makes someone else laugh and they think Kira would like this. Like I am doing something right. This is awesome. (laughs) It's the best feeling. It's the best feeling to get that kind of interaction. And it's like, it's not like you're awesome. It's just like, I love what you do. And I just want to support that thing that you do that brings so many other people so much joy. Right, right. (laughs) What I was getting to, and then we got punny, and then I talked about us hitting the ground running. I want to bring it back. I want to bring us back at least to college. So talk to me about, uh, you know, coming of age and what your relationship was with running from a young age. Yeah. So this, I think how I'm about to describe like my journey with running is why I love running so much is that it can evolve and it can be different things to you and like in a different part of your life in different phases and you just need it in different ways. So I started in high school um, just to be part of a team. And I liked running and I thought I was fast, but like, I think running at that point was a way that I built my confidence and had like a friend group and, um, and then just a way to like participate in sport. I've always been a fan of sports and, um, that went well. And I got the opportunity to run for American university in college. And then I started seeing like the competitive aspect and I had like bigger goals and bigger dreams. And I started taking it more seriously. And that's when I started seeing like running could be something that I do after college too. And so that kind of opened my eyes that this could be a career also. So it's now just something, you know, for friends to competitive to something that you could, you know, turn your life around for. So after college, I ran post-collegiately for a couple years for um, a professional running team in the DC area called DC elite. And, um, after about two years, I had I started getting these like perpetual injuries in my ankle. And we found out later it was because it's something called tarsal coalition, where I had two bones in my foot that were connected. So I needed to have surgery, but surgery wasn't covered. They said it was the pre-existing condition. So I wasn't able to do that. Um, so that's when I kind of retired from like my first round of running. But, you know, and it was hard because I felt like I was kind of pushed out not on my terms. Like I felt like it was kind of taken from me and all of those dreams that I fell short of, I just felt like those were kind of like stolen from me in a way. And then I felt like I was quitting too. Like I was down on myself at first and now, you know, got into, I originally got into like it work and my identity had always been so wrapped up in running. I was cure the runner, but I'm now cure the runner who doesn't run. So that was just like a strange time figuring out, okay, then what does Kira do? 
And so I got involved with a lot of different things and I figured out that Kira is more than just a runner. And I think that was such an important lesson to learn. And I know a lot of like athletes struggle with that, that have played in high school and college or even professionally, just trying to figure out like all the parts that make them who they are. So that was, I think, a really important phase of my life. For you, when you were in those really challenging times, trying to figure out who it was that you were when you weren't running, how did you find the strength to kind of pick yourself up from that low place? Yeah, I don't, I guess I felt like I just didn't have another option, right? I can, I can figure this out and figure out a new way to be happy. I can figure out new passions and new things to pursue, or I can be sad and that option kind of sucks, you know? So I just, I try to focus on the things that were in my control and it was exciting to now have a, like a nine to five career and build new friendships. And I got into cycling for like a few years and I did, um, CrossFit. I got real into CrossFit for a time. So it was fun to then take and just my athleticness and put it into other realms. And I never felt like I found like that love with running, but I really enjoyed it. And I really loved being, you know, if a girlfriend was like, Hey, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm like walking. I love walking. Let's walk. Hey, I'm going to go to spin class. I'm like, I love spin. Let's go spin. You know? So it was just, it was so fun just to be able to do whatever I felt like and not have any goals, not have any pressure. Um, eventually I got that ankle surgery and then I was able to put running back in my life and I wasn't quite ready to dedicate my whole life around it. Like I associated running with taking it super seriously and just my whole world was eat, sleep, run. And I wasn't ready for that. And I didn't think I ever really wanted that because now is this more dynamic version of Kira. I got married We were moving around. We had two kids. I became a real estate agent. I worked for my mom's brokerage in um, Virginia. And I didn't want to, I thought if to compete at that level, I had to like give that all up or just limit that. So I'm like, you know what? I love running for fun. Let's just keep running for fun. And that's when it just started kind of snowballing. What was the catalyst for you to decide that you wanted to go through with the, the foot surgery later on? It was once my insurance permitted it. So when I started working IT, I had really great insurance and then it was available. So I'm like, well, I might as well do this. You know, I think for the rest of my life, like I'm going to need to do it, get it done. So might as well just do it now. So it was kind of just like, I guess I should. You and me both had a CrossFit phase. Uh, Did you get injured? So you stopped doing CrossFit? No, but I was like, I was good at when they're like, okay, this, you need to do this. I'm like, yeah, not doing that one. You know, I was able to like turn it down, but, um, and then that, you know, I was okay. Like, um, doing like using a band to do pushups or something like I was okay, like supplementing, you know? So yeah, I, I never got injured, but um, I feel like the, uh, the legacy, like good thing that I have from my CrossFit days. And like, I'm going to compliment you. Like I still have some pretty great arms from doing CrossFit like five years ago. I know you have great arms. I've seen these finish line photos and there's always like a great pump in there. Yeah. Yeah. I also got like my squat got so great from doing CrossFit. So I was able to max (laughs) squat like really good. I had really good, like good glutes at that time. Let's put it that way. (laughs) At that time I had great glutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was my good glutes, uh, good glute phase of my life. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So did, uh, let's touch on real estate for a moment. So did you always want to, were you always like interested in going into that field of work or did that kind of happen just on a whim? 
Yeah, I wasn't always interested in it. I mean, I grew up, I'm now a third generation realtor. So my grandmother was a realtor. My mom was a realtor. So in a way, I felt like I was kind of destined to be a realtor. So I resisted that, you know, <laughs> like, you know, no one's going to tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. But, um, you know, but I grew up watching my mom and going with her to open houses or, you know, doing X, Y, Z and just seeing her life as a realtor. So eventually when we got to that point with my husband and I, and we weren't moving around with the military anymore, it kind of just fit then. So yeah, I, I came over and I'm like, I don't know how I waited so long to do this. Cause I do feel like it's just in my blood. Like I love real estate. I love helping people with most of the time, the most exciting, you know, purchase of their life. So um, yeah, it's been a great career. And then another meaningful title that you have here is also mom. Talk to us about you and your husband having your kids and what it was like to charge on working full time while also having this new title. We had our son, Tommy, in 2014. And actually, this is a pretty funny story. So we were living in Tampa, Florida at the time. And we had signed up. They have a Gasparilla Festival where they have four races in one weekend. And we were running kind of for fun, not super seriously. And my husband were like, yeah, let's do all four races. This would be great. So we signed up for all four. And like after the first day, like it just did not go well. I was feeling like really terrible. And then so I told my husband, I'm like, what if like I'm pregnant? What if maybe that's why this didn't go well today? And then uh, he's like, Kira, like, you know, we just didn't really think we were ready for that. But we just didn't know if it would. I don't know if that was the time. So I was like, hey, if I'm pregnant, I'm not going to do the races tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to take a pregnancy real quick, <laughs> test real quick. And I was <laughs> like, please be positive because one, we really want a child. But also, I don't want to race tomorrow. So I did the test and it was positive. And I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to bail out on the races tomorrow because uh, I just found out we're <laughs> pregnant. So that was really that was really uh, that was really fun. But yeah, he got me out of doing uh, doing those two races the next day. That was I, I bit off a little more I could chew for that weekend. <laughs> Tommy, you got me with a splash. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thank you, Tommy. Perfect timing. <laughs> Perfect timing. So that's baby number one and baby number two. Mm-hmm. Baby number two came uh, about two years later. We moved from Tampa to Virginia to be close to family. And my husband, who was in the active duty, he was an op- he's an officer for the Air Force, got out of active duty and now is part of the Virginia Air National Guard. Um, and we did that because we then we could pick where we wanted to live. We wouldn't be moving every couple of years and we could just kind of stay put next to family. And, you know, having like young kids is tough. You know, we wanted help with that. Um, and we also wanted them to be around their cousins and be around family. So that's when we moved to uh, Richmond, Virginia. I was in your uh, in your neck of the woods a couple of weeks ago. I actually my I call her my final roommate the last roommate I lived with before I started living on my own. She lives She lives in the Richmond area and we met in Fredericksburg. And when I met with her, I said, is this where they do like the Civil War reenactments? Like it just feels like that here. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of yeah Civil War stuff here in like the Virginia <laughs> area for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but for you then, talk to us about your relationship with fitness after you had your kids. Yeah. So after I had Quinn, we knew we were done with two and we're like, boy, a girl, perfect. We're done. And then I kind of felt like I had my body back because for years it felt like it wasn't mine. Like I was pregnant or I was nursing and right 
the day after I stopped nursing, I found out I was pregnant again. So it just, I felt like for that almost, I don't know, three years or so, it just didn't feel like my body. So it was exciting to think, okay, this now it's, it's mine again. I can control this. I have complete control. And I was like, you know, I'm going to get back into shape. Like I gained a lot of pregnancy weight. Like I was setting records, like doctors, like you probably want to like cool it with, uh, with, and so I had to try to be a little more careful, but um, so I was like ready to get it back. So I started trying to run again and, you know, coming in from like, uh, like heavier than my like pre-pregnancy weight running was really tough. Like the first day I went out and I like, I remember this so clearly, I felt like I was running on another planet with the gravity, like 20 times earth. Like it just like, everything was so hard. Just moving each leg was hard. And I set out that day and I'm like, I'm going to run three minutes just three full minutes. And I made it to like one and a half minutes. And I just stopped. And I'm like, well, this is as far as I can run today. I walked home and like, kind of, I guess a walk of shame there, but I walk home and I'm like, well, we'll try again tomorrow. You know, that that's as far as I can run today. And I did, I tried again the next day and I think I made it the three minutes the next day. So then it just, the goals from there just kept like snowballing. And, it, and you know, at the beginning of this, I wasn't looking like I never thought I was going to come back and be a professional runner. I didn't think I would be able to compete at this level ever again. But I just kept setting these goals that were just, you know, just progress, you know, and every time I'd make a little progress that was just so exciting that I got so addicted to that little progress, whether it was running like more minutes the next day or more miles in the week, or I don't know, having con like consistent weeks, adding those together, I would just got so obsessed with progress. It probably also paid off in other areas of your life. At least that's what I see for me when I'm working out and being diligent and consistent with it. I feel more motivated to go after the other things that I'm after. Yeah, I think starting your day with like some form of exercise is so healthy. I think you immediately like I'm not a morning person. So it kind of like just gets me up and gets me going. And then you just feel so productive, you know, and all those endorphins are like going through. And then I feel like I can eat a little bit like whatever more whatever I want like if I run <laughs> later in the day I feel like I always have to like have it buckled down so I don't feel it while I'm running but like mm. so you just feel a little like you can have a little more fun with food and uh and then I just like I don't know when you're feeling good about yourself too just all that like just that positive energy too that you got up and you felt like you crushed it you know just you got to win right off the bat on the day it's just a powerful thing and it says a lot about you and your personality to have the mindset after, you know, those first few runs that weren't going as well as you'd hope that they'd go for you to keep showing up and to keep trying, knowing that having this, you know, relationship with running in your past that like eventually you're going to get to a place where you enjoyed what you were doing a little bit more with each day. Right. And I think like during the time, like that break period, I at some points I would try running more than others. And I kind of knew that like it takes like if you are really committed for like two to four weeks of running, you you feel some relief. You start understanding, OK, this is why people like to do this. But when you're getting into shape with running, it sucks. You feel like all runners are crazy. Like, why would people like to do this? It's just it's really tough to get into shape. But once you start getting that feedback of improvement or like losing weight or just feeling, you know, feeling better and more confident about yourself, like then it just kind of snowballs and it's so much easier to keep 
to keep going. But yeah, it's beginning of getting into shape. But when people tell me like, no, 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 they're not a runner. I can't do that. And I'm like, just make it pass. Like if you commit and just make it pass like two to four weeks, like you're really going to find like some enjoyment out of this. Yeah. I feel that deep in my bones. When I started running, I ran a half mile every day for a summer and that was it. I never tried for more. I never tried for less. I didn't care how long it took me to run the half mile. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. Like it was a non-option. And that half mile encouraged me that confidence that I gained from running that half mile was the thing that was like, okay, now you've done this, you've accomplished this goal. Let's think about the next one. And let's think about the next one and the next one and the next one. And now I'm sitting here talking to the American world record holder for the marathon. <laughs> but I think what you just said is so powerful that it's like you finish that and then your mind starts to dream a little bit, right? And you don't immediately go for like the big wild dream, but you're like, if I can do a half mile, could I do a whole mile? You know, and that like little like what if and that hope and that kind of excitement, like I might be overextending myself, but maybe I could do it. Like that little like hope and dream, I think is just so exciting. So when does the hobby jogging turn into a, am I actually dipping my foot in this pool again? Or like I did a couple marathons and my times were like coming down. Um, and I think let's it was, let, wait, in... whoa, whoa, whoa. let's like shed some more light on like my times were coming down. You were in a three seventeen in your debut in 2017. Then the next year you ran a 244. So that's like casual, no time at all between 317 and 244 at grandma's in 2018. And then a 234.55 at the 2019 Berlin Marathon. So to elaborate on my times were coming down a little bit. I mean, that's a lot of bit. <laughs> <laughs> they were really progressing. I will say though, like a marathon that doesn't come up in my bio very often is I did in 2013. I did the Montana, the Missoula, Montana marathon. I ran 349.49. I was so proud to finish that day. I got to like maybe 18 miles or 20 miles. And I'm like, I'm not a marathoner. I am not a marathoner. I, and I walked, you know, walked, ran it into the line. I was so proud to finish. And that was another one that was like one and done never doing that again. So then coming back and like giving myself another chance. And like, it took me a while to heal mentally and physically from that marathon, but coming back and then running. And I was like, wow, that was great. I actually ran the whole way. And then it's like, well, maybe if my training gets a little more intentional, could I break three hours? So I got, you know, I did a little bit more distance and start doing more workouts. And then I ran, yeah, the 247 was the next one. And that's when I pulled a coach in and was like, I think I can make the trials. I really think I can do that. But I just, I need to get intentional. Like up until that point, I was just running whatever I felt like running. Like I tell people I was on the root beer float training plan because if I ran 10 miles in a day, I'd get a root beer float at night. And that was like my whole training plan, which, but if you do, I was getting them every night because I wanted to run 10 miles every day so I could get a root beer float every night. And so and when you look at that, that's like 70 miles a week. That's pretty intense training. That's a lot. But I was so obsessed with root beer floats. That was like the carrot I needed then. So, yeah, so I Shoot, got it. I need a, I need a carrot. <laughs> yeah. Figure out what that root beer float is for you. And yeah, I don't recommend that training in 10 miles. That's probably a little excessive, but coming from like kind of a background in running. But, you know, it's like the point of that is just it was fun and it was like what I needed and it was my motivation. And I was rewarding myself for like daily little goals, you know, and I was like being a cheerleader and I felt so good every night getting my little root beer float. And, but yeah, so I got, I got more intentional and with every marathon I did, like we started adding more into the training and, you know, like 
at first it was just running. And then I was adding some more speed work. And then I was adding some more long tempo runs. And then I started adding, you know, strength and Pilates and my hurdle drills and foot exercises and PT. And so it's like, it just all snowballed. And every time I'd be like, okay, what else can we do? And what else can we add to keep like just me stimulated um, and to make sure that I can keep improving and just, I don't know, wake up the body, yeah. I guess. But I mean, hearing you talk about it, it, the question starts to beckon, like, how did you fit it all in? You're getting so intentional with your training. And now like you're probably going from one to two sessions a day. And then you're also finding time to see your PT and you're also momming and you're also a realtor. Like that schedule becomes like super hectic. I would have to imagine that despite wanting to be very present in each of those individual things at times that probably proved challenging. Yeah, it's tough. And I think like the best way I can, like, I wish I had more advice around this because this is, I feel like the age old question, like we all need to find like more time in our day. And that would, but like for me, like I just asked for help and like that's hard for me to do like a type A person. Like I really like I feel like I can do it all, but like I prioritize what's most important and put those into my. So first it's family and then it was real estate and then running. And so I kind of put things into my day in that order to make sure that I'm accomplishing my most important goals first. And then like stuff that was like double dipping or when I just didn't have enough space, like I just asked for help from my family, from extended family, from I'd hire like a babysitter up the street to come watch my kids so I could get in a little bit of run if my husband was gone. So off the street, just, <laughs> yeah, just up the street. Hey, you up the street. Uh, yeah, come on in. How are you like babysitting? All right. I got a job for you. But yeah, so I think just learning to ask for help and not feeling guilty about asking for help. I think we all want to do it all. And I just learned like I can't do it all, you know, and like I'm never going to be the mom that bakes like the awesome cupcakes and sends them in on the birthday. I'm going in and buying store bought, you know, but that's something that's like, I'm okay. I'm not going to be that like baking mom, you know, that's okay. So I think just like, I don't know. And I think also I've said like to be good at like a couple things, I suck at a lot of other things, you know, so there's definitely like the things that we're talking about, I feel like I found how to manage, but there's a lot of things in my life that I'm not good at. And like, I need even more help at, I don't know. So it's just being okay to suck at some things too. I mean, you were talking about that progress with the marathons and then being more intentional with your training. I don't want to like diss the root beer float mentality, but I would also have to think that you had to get a little bit more intentional about what you were putting into your body as well. Absolutely. And you know, I, it took me a little bit to figure that part out. And it took me like a lot of like failures to figure out that I needed like help with that. Like I remember at first I would get a little lightheaded while running and I'd come back and do some research and it was probably because I wasn't eating enough protein. And then sometimes I would just run out of energy and feel so flat and I'd do more research and it was like low like carbs. I didn't have, wasn't getting enough before I ran. And that's when like I reached out, I was like, I need help with this. And so I did some research and that's when I reached out to Inside Tracker, who I've done, they do like quarterly um, analysis for me, like a blood analysis and track all my biomarkers. So that actually is how nutrition wise I've been able to balance it because they've been able to point out like my iron was really low. My vitamin D was really low, my vitamin B. And so, and they were able to point me in, you know, just give me helps with nutrition suggestions and how to get that 
um, in meal form. So that was, that really, really helped. But that was something to learn because training for a marathon takes a lot out of you and it depletes you a lot. So like I had never trained at that level. So that was important for me to get help again in other places to figure out how to, how to maximize that. Yeah. And on the note of asking for help, I mean, especially when it comes to your nutrition, so often we're just thinking about the training plan and the doing and the doing and the doing. But if you don't take in that nutrition, you also mentioned that buzzword recovery into account, then all that training could be for nothing. If you're not giving your body what it needs in all that other time in your day, when you're not actually on the run, uh, I mean, full disclosure, Inside Tracker is a, a sponsor on the show. So I hear your sentiments and echo them completely. When it comes to just asking yourself the little questions, like you don't need to be tired to that extent when you finish a run and like maybe asking yourself, like, why is that happening? I too struggled with low ferritin levels. And so getting those like customized, personalized recommendations so that it wasn't just like, okay, you have low ferritin. It was like, okay, you have low ferritin and this is exactly what you can do so that you can do something about that. And then you will have a payoff in how you feel. Like it was a very like, this is A, this is B, this is C. Now you can move forward with your life. Right, right. And it just made it so easy seeing it. And I've had problems with iron in my past. So every year when I go to my regular checkup, I have them check all my levels. And for the last like, before Inside Tracker, they were saying like, yep, you're good to go. And then when I get to Inside Tracker, they look on it, they compare me to endurance athletes, because you can sort like, like what your goals are. You do want to just overall wellness. Are you having trouble sleeping? Are you endurance athlete? Are you like weight loss your goals? So depending on what those goals are, they like set those, those levels for your biomarkers. So when I came back, like I thought my iron was fine. And they're like you for an endurance athlete, you need a lot of work on this. So you need to start adding more beans and red meats and, you know, just starting making sure that you're focusing on all that. But that really changed how I looked at how I was fueling which really now like my energy levels are so much higher, like I'm able to perform. And when stuff like that comes up, like if I'm feeling lightheaded or if I'm feeling really hungry, I think I'm not fueling myself in the right way. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, my friends at Inside Tracker. Kira and I talk about Inside Tracker in today's episode, and that's because we both work with the brand and we are both obsessed. Through Inside Tracker's patented analysis of your blood, DNA, and lifestyle, they create a one of a kind science backed action plan to help you reach your potential for better than ever performance and a longer, healthier life. And something I love that Kira highlighted in today's episode is that they are making these recommendations based on what your goals are. So whereas Kira may have a different requirement for something like ferritin or vitamin D as an elite endurance athlete than someone else may have who is not trying to run obscenely fast times, everyone can benefit from this service. Everyone can benefit from knowing more about what is going on with them and their body. With my experience with Inside Tracker, I also found out, similar to Kira, that I was low in vitamin D and I was low in ferritin and that I could make some really easy tweaks to my weekly diet to make sure that I was giving my body the nutrients that it needed to perform at its best prioritize your health, do good by you by getting on the Inside Tracker bandwagon as well. Head on over to insidetracker.com slash hurdle. That's I-N-S-I-D-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R.com slash hurdle 
to get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store today. Again, that is insidetracker.com slash hurdle to get 20% off today. Also want to give some love to my dear friends at Element. That's L-M-N-T. Element is a delicious electrolyte drink mix that replaces vital electrolytes without sugars and dodgy ingredients found in conventional sports drinks. Now, yes, water is important, but hydration isn't just about drinking enough of it. To stay properly hydrated, you've got to consume adequate electrolytes, especially if you live an active lifestyle like me. Electrolytes help your nerve impulses fire, they regulate fluid balance, plus they help produce energy and support strong bones. What I love about Element is not just how I feel, why I incorporate it into my routine, but also the taste. I have tried, goodness, so many different types of electrolytes over the years, and Element is the perfect, perfect balance of salty and sweet with so many great flavor options for every taste, whether you're a citrus or a chocolate, a raspberry, a watermelon, maybe you're an unflavored. Again, so many options for every single person. Of course, the great thing about Element is that they have a way for you to try a bunch of them. Get a free Element sample pack by heading on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle. All you've got to do is pay $5 for shipping. Again, that is drinkelement.com slash hurdle to get a free sample pack of my favorite flavors today. Let's keep talking here through your breakout year because you hit an unexpected hurdle after doing so much of this good work in that you were dealing at one point with a little bit of an injury. Talk to us about that injury and what it meant for your running. Yeah. So I came off like in 2020, it was like a really magical year for me. And in and in a year that really the world shut down and we were all going through a lot with COVID, I just that was what I clung to during that chaos. And I was like, well, you know, everything else is a little chaotic, but I still can run, you know, running's not canceled. So I really, really clung to that for just physical and mental sanity, I guess. And it went really well for me. And I, you know, I broke the American record in the 10 miles that year and I had a really great marathon. So I was expecting all these big things in 2021 and just to keep building on that. And then I got injured and it took me a few months to identify I was treating the pain and not figuring out the cause. So it took me a little bit to figure out what the root was. And once I did, you know, it was a big strength imbalance, which was leading my hips to get a little out of line, which was putting stress on my hamstring and then straining my hamstring. So I've now like getting even more intentional with my strength and recovery exercises and all my prehab. And it definitely, I mean, that really sucked because it was a month before the Olympic track trials. And I thought that I had, you know, like I had, I thought I had a shot at possibly making that Olympic team. So having to pull out of the Olympic trials, that was hard. That like really, that really sucked. But I gave myself kind of similar to what we talked about before is like, I gave myself time to be sad. And then I was like, well, I can either be sad about this, or I can start working towards new goals. Okay, what are these new goals? Let's figure out let's keep moving forward. So I quickly just shifted that focus, like even though it still hurt, and it stung, and I definitely had FOMO watching it. Um, the trials and the Olympics, but I just shifted the focus. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not 
that's not a dream anymore. Let's figure out what is. So I just kind of shifted to thinking about fall marathon at that time. Yeah. I mean, that perspective shift is so difficult for you having to be a mom to your kids and to keep going to work and, you know, keep doing what you were doing, despite the fact that inside you were really going through it. I mean, I would be too. How? What was the thing that helped you shift your perspective? Well, and I think it's just that balance of the different priorities in my life. Like, so I wasn't running as much and I wasn't competing. So I wasn't traveling, but I was able to like wake up and make breakfast and just have a relaxing morning with the kids, you know, like on Sundays, usually I'd be out running for two or three hours, but now we are going strawberry picking, you know? So I filled that void with just things that I also really love. So it made it easier, right? It didn't fix the problem, but I just put all of my energy into to other things. And at the time, then with real estate, I was studying, I got my broker's license and I opened up a property management company. And, um, and that was really time consuming. I would have never had that time if I was running and competing and traveling at that level. So I just figure out like, you know, just to move on and just, you know, just throw myself in into other areas of my life. How do you give back to you? Like outside of spending the time with your family, what are you doing to take care of Kira? You know, that's such a thoughtful question. And I still try to answer that with running. Like that's that's my me time. Like that's what I carve out in my day to take care of myself. Like, and for the most part, like I run by myself and I listen to whatever music or whatever podcast and I'm just kind of alone with my thoughts and I just have a little bit of space in my day. So I still look at running as just, I don't know, I'm just grateful for that space in my life. And I think also that's why I'm able to put so much into it is because it's such a source, like we talked about too, of joy for me. So yeah, that's, that's the thing that I do for myself. So when does the hamstring start to feel better with all of this prehab and rehab and all the things? Probably in June, July, um, I like build up enough strength to start being able to build on that workload again. So I think training resumes like back to almost normal in like July, August timeframe, I think. How did you feel about the idea of losing your fitness during that time? You know, like it's definitely on my mind and I cross trained. I did like, you know, the indoor, the swimming and like the running, the pool running and man, it's just, I don't like doing that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So that kind of, that kind of stunk, but it also was just like every day I did that was just such a reminder to like, take care of myself. Like, I don't ever want to be here again. Like getting in a cold pool is the worst. Um, sorry to all you swimmers out there. I don't know (laughs) how you do it. It's so cold, but, um, so it just was like a reminder, like, I don't ever want to be on the bench again. Like I need to make sure I'm doing everything in my power to stay healthy. So I don't have to get back here. Yeah. I got a a DM from someone maybe yesterday or the day before, and they were asking me what they should do because they got COVID and they're supposed to run a half marathon in three weeks. Like, I'm so worried about losing my fitness. And I said to her, she she asked me, what should I do? And I said, nothing. 
Mm-hmm. You need to give your body rest and you need to chill because the last thing you need to go doing is stressing your immune system even more than it already is trying to navigate COVID so that by the time COVID's done, you're exhausted because you've completely beat yourself down. And she was like, I really needed to hear that. I understand the stress that not being able to, again, what we were talking about before, not being able to do the thing that you want to do, it puts on you emotionally and physically. Yeah. And that was such great advice. And I'm glad that that's what you told her because no, but like in coming back, like, you know, I lost some fitness, but I also trusted that like, it's going to take a little bit to like dust off the cobwebs, but it's still there. You know, I've been working my tail off for years. It's not going to go away in a couple of weeks. Right. Or a couple months or whatever it was. So, you know, I just trusted like in my fitness and I knew it was going to take a little bit to like stop. Like when I get back, I just feel awkward. Like I just feel like not everything's like my joints aren't tight enough. I just feel all noodly. I don't know how to say it, but I just trust that like it's going to get back and I need to be patient is like my biggest advice I give is just patience. And it's like the least sexy advice in the world because we all want it now. But I was patient. And when I came back, I didn't try to push my timeline. We slowly built up and we let things come. And, you know, after, you know, building up again, we got, we, I mean, look where I ended up after like a pretty like crappy 2021, like 22, 2022 started off all right. That first race back, let's talk about the Chicago Marathon because it was really like a shaking the cobwebs off moment for you. But from the outside looking in for individuals who maybe didn't know your struggle, didn't know that you had really suffered through the previous months leading up to this buildup, you know, they see what happened there and they were like, oh, like she really wanted that record. Talk me through that for you. Yeah, like we knew that buildup was shorter. I knew from my workouts, I wasn't in my best shape ever. But I knew standing on the start start line, it was going to be the best I could do that day. So I was going to fight every mile and just do the best with what I had. And, and that's what I did. And, you know, I didn't PR. I finished fourth overall, which which was awesome. You know, I had bigger goals initially, but I think just figuring out where you are and doing the best with that. I mean, that's really all I could do. But Chicago was really great for me because I recovered pretty quickly since I was so early on in that marathon training. I wasn't physically or mentally fatigued from all the training. So I feel like that really like springboarded me into like a really great, yeah, like training, training went awesome after that. I did the Richmond 8K and ran a course record. And then I went up to Manchester and did that road race. And that one went really well. And my speed was coming back. I won my first national championship in the half marathon, which like at 37 years old, like I didn't think I'd ever win a national title. And at 37 winning it, it was so emotional for me because I just dreamed of being a national champion in anything since I was like really young. And to finally at 37, it's just like, I'm just so happy I didn't give up, you know, and to have like such a beautiful moment. And that's when we started thinking like, you know, the marathon fitness is still there. So maybe if like we put in one more like month or so of training, like what do you think we can do in a marathon? So that's when that whole like, I, you know, that's when that the Houston marathon popped up. They're like, that's a perfect time. We can get one more like solid month in and then let's see what happens. And we'll just see what happens. Let's see what happens. How is this build up for you when it comes to being a mom? It's, you know, it's a lot of like mornings and a lot of adjusting, a lot of asking for help. 
Um, and it's a lot of time away from like the kids, especially like long runs on Saturday or Sundays, usually kind of like we kind of all relax and spend time as a family. So it definitely everyone in my family has it's like we all make sacrifices, but I give my husband a lot of credit, too, because some days he'll just put everyone in the car and come try to see if they can find me while I'm out running and last Miley Cyrus party in the USA while they drive by and they all have lollipops. I'm like, why you got, where'd you get all that candy, man? But, um, or like they'd come to the track and like root me on. So I'm like, you know, like my family's been like a really big part of this journey and it's been even more fun that we've all been on the journey together. Yeah. And like to think about that in like 10, 20 years from now, when you all are reflecting on this time period that your kids are going to be like, my mom is such a badass and she made so many beautiful, wonderful sacrifices for our family. It wasn't, I think that there are probably a couple of different schools of thought here, but from my POV, it's like, wow, like what an awesome opportunity to show your children the power and beauty of hard work and dedication and going after what it is. It's truly just a a lifelong goal for you. I think that that's what I hope my kids take from this. Like I don't, if they get into running great, I kind of assume they'll find other interests and passions, but I hope they just see me set a crazy dream and then work really hard for it, you know? And and to find something they love and carve out that time in their day to like pursue it. And it's just the fact that I have like, I love running so much down to my core. It's just like part of who I am. I love to run. And like my biggest wish for my kids is they find their own running or whatever that is that fulfills them and makes them happy and gives them a reason to get excited to wake up early or just it just um yeah, I hope that they they find that. But hopefully just kind of watching me, you know, once they do find that, they'll know what to do with it. What did it mean for you or what did it feel like to see them on the course sidelines as you were setting history? That meant the world to me. And before races, like I usually travel out on my own and we kind of isolate in those days leading into the race. And Like we do that because I need to relax. I need to get into the right mindset. And just like being a a parent, it's just like, you know, there's just, it's a mental burden, you know, and I don't, I shouldn't use burden, but it's just mentally it's taxing, right? Like you're always thinking about have they ate? Are they dressed? You know, do they need to go to the bathroom? What's next? Are they doing something they shouldn't? Should we be reading? You know, it's like, you're just constantly, your mind's just always on. So for those couple of days leading to the race, like I was isolated and I was relaxed and I was focusing on just, you know, just trying to stay chill and not like freak out, I guess. So seeing them after the race, like I hadn't seen them in a couple of days too, you know? So it was so special to see them. And like, whenever I'm away from them, like there's a huge amount of guilt, but it always like fuels me. Like if I'm taking this time away from my family, I'm going to show up. I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to make the most of every single opportunity because like time away from my family is a big sacrifice for me. And I, I don't really like doing it. So just kind of even like during the race, thinking about them, just thinking like we've all worked hard. We've all sacrificed. Like I'm that one out here running right now but this is like a family goal and something that we've all been working towards so like I don't want to let them down you know so just finishing and seeing them was just so great to see them and then it just all like just the gravity and the magnitude of everything because 
for me going into that race, like my goal was to run 518. It wasn't to set the American record. Like I couldn't wrap my head around a goal of that size. Like there's just no way I could imagine that I could be the American woman to run the fastest ever. That just makes zero sense to me. So I was like, okay, let's not think about it that way. Just think about you can run 518. So like after the race, I was like, good, I met my goal 518. And then the magnitude of what I just did was coming back at the same time as like seeing my kids. It was just a really emotional, uh, really emotional. The signs. Can we talk about the signs? Oh, she, you just made you just made the face that I made at the beginning when you told me that you like my voice. You just made like the big like watery oh eyes face. The signs are the best thing in the world. So my mom had brought just like paper and markers as a way to just like a fun activity and just said, you guys can make whatever you want. And so they both made their own signs like she didn't tell them what to write at all. They both just got creative. And then like right before, like a marathon's a long time. So they're standing there with their signs. And so she brought the markers so they could like draw more and just have something to do. And then they started like fighting with each other and drawing on each other's signs. So I was like, no, 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 like don't do that. So they had to like flip them over and make new signs. But I think like my son's sign, it said, you're number one in my heart. And that is just so powerful that like he didn't care if I won or lost. Like And that is so freeing, you know, like this doesn't like the running doesn't matter to my family and to like, he just I'm number one to him, you know, I didn't even have to finish the race and I'd still be number one to him. And I think just like that support and like unconditional love just really like allows me to take risk and, you know, shoot for the stars and everything. Yeah. And especially when they're young, like the most important thing is that they want you to be happy. So to see you happy and your perspective like aids in that, right? Because knowing that I get to do this, this is the thing that I'm going to show up to do today and it could go really well or it could not go really well, but at the end, I'm still me and that's what's important. That perspective is what keeps you happy and what keeps your runs like and this career for you so joyous. Yeah, and it keeps me grounded, right? Because when things don't go well, like I still have my family, you know, and as long as my family's like happy and healthy, like that's like the top priority. So I just, I think it just, I don't know. It's just, again, that whole big balance thing that just kind of just keeps everything together. The whole big balance thing. Okay, Kira, question for you now. Right now, someone comes to your Instagram page and they see pro runner for Nike and Flynn Sports, marathon American record 219.12, a pro woman's 10 mile world record. I love the words world record. It's just like awesome. (laughs) When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I don't know. Like I see me, like all of me, you know, I like separate me from running a lot of the time. So even on my run today, I was thinking, like I started thinking about that race and it just makes me laugh a little bit because it feels, I don't know, like I know it's part of me, but it's not, I can't even describe it, but it's just like, I don't know. It just, I still, I, I, it hasn't sunk in. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I still can't wrap my head around it. Like I've put in the work and I knew I was fit to run that time, but just like, just everything other than that, it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it hasn't sunk in, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I just see Kira like the just kind of goofy, silly, like fun loving Kira, I guess. (laughs) And also to provide some context, I didn't mean to like skip past some of the highlights of this effort for you, but it did truly feel like an effort for you. Like it wasn't just one of those days where everything clicked and you were in flow state and it was like a magical two hours and 19 minutes like that. It was a battle. 
Yeah, I was really hoping it was going to be that magical flow state, but it wasn't. But it made me even more proud when I was done because there are so many times during the race where I thought maybe this wouldn't happen or maybe I can't go any further. There was just doubts, right? And I like insecurities popped up and it's like, I don't know if I can do this. So to be able to figure out how to work through all that and just, I mean, everything hurt my, like my body hurt, like, and so to be able to push through that, like made it even more special because it wasn't easy. And I think that also represents like my whole path with running. Like it was never really easy. You know, it's been a whole lot of fun and I've enjoyed just the hell out of the ride but it's been, you know, it's taken me 37 years to have a moment like that, which which I wouldn't do it any differently because I just, you know, appreciate my journey and how hard I've worked. And it's, yeah, been one heck of a ride. One hell of a ride. So when you think about what's next, I mean, what comes next after that kind of accomplishment? I think for me too, to take the pressure off of that singular day, I've been thinking about what's next, you know? So I knew for these goals to compete, on a world stage or to compete like and do great against international women like this was a stepping stone to get there so for me like i'd like to represent the u.s this summer in the world championships they're in u.s for the first time ever so i'll be switching over and just trying to find some speed and training for the 10k on the track and then next fall i'll um find another marathon and i'm gonna try to yeah we'll we'll see i haven't picked that marathon yet but it um <laughs> I have a feeling if I don't break break that record again, some other women are going to break it before me. So I got to I got to lower that if I want to hold on to it any longer. Oh, my gosh. Other women are going to break it. I mean, it took so long for this to happen the first time. I'm not ready. <laughs> you deserve <laughs> to hold on to it for longer than just a short time. But here's the thing. Even when it's broken, I'll be the former American record holder. And that's pretty awesome, too. I'm OK with that. So that's the fine. Power Bring it on. perspective is just <laughs> mind blowing. Yeah. And my, my Instagram bio is not going to change. Instead of American record, I'll just put former American record holder. That'll be fine. So whenever that day happens, I'll be rooting for him. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. I love just like your entire energy and I'm so happy for you. It's, you know, it's, it's always, no matter who does it, like feats like this are truly just superhuman, but to talk to someone who just has such like a beautiful perspective about her sport and her journey and your passion just literally radiates through the microphone. So I'm just, I'm, I'm truly am for you. And I'm so excited that we had this opportunity to, to kind of rap about all of this awesomeness. Yeah, this is really fun. Thanks for having me on and just giving me like a space to share my story. And yeah, are we best friends now? I think we just became best friends. Are we best we friends? just became best friends. Okay. You're, not done that You're not done yet. You need to, you need to give us one more little nugget of wisdom. Okay. Um, okay. Wait, no, no. I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, I was like, oh, is that, is that the only thing? That's pretty broad. Okay. Wisdom. All right. Here we go. Let's think of wisdom. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Final question, Kira. Right now you have an opportunity. Wow. You had two pretty distinct hurdle moments, I would say, but let's bring it back. I want to bring it back to the more recent one. Right now you have an opportunity to offer the Kira who has to uh, take a back seat during the U.S. Olympic trials and uh, put off her dream and, and kind of question like what happens now? What happens next? Do you have an opportunity to offer that woman a piece of advice looking back on that now? What do you tell her? 
like, don't give up. Like, don't let this rock you. This is just like a minor blip. This is going to be such a small thing when you look at like just the whole big picture, right? So just like keep your head up. It's going to be okay. Like hang in there. You still got this. But I think with any like failure or injury, you just, it's so scary because you're wondering if that's you. Like, is this over? Is this dream over? Like, do I need to mourn these goals again? Like a coming up short. So I think just believing that like this too will pass. Like if I'm just patient, it's like the dreams aren't over. They're just deferred. So hang in there. You got this. Do, you know, your Oreo challenges. Fill your life with other fun things right now to distract. And uh, you're going to get back and be better than ever. What Oreo challenge do I need to be doing once I get off this podcast? So what is your favorite Oreo flavor? Have you ever thought to think they have like dozens and dozens of Oreo flavors? So what my family did one time is we bought like all the flavors and did like a big Oreo madness challenge to figure out what in fact is the best Oreo flavor. So I have the answer. I have the D'Amato answer at least, but I encourage everyone to buy all the Oreos and figure out what is their favorite flavor. Can you adopt me? <laughs> yeah, we actually, we are accepting applications into our family. It's um, very inclusive, pretty much if you're a kind person, you're in. So uh, yeah, I'll, put, I'll send you, I'll send you an application. Uh, wait, so what's your, what's the D'Amato Oreo flavor? So it came down to mint versus golden, which is crazy. I really thought double stuffed was going to be up there. Mint versus gold. Golden is delicious. I like, I thought they weren't even going to make it out of the first round. It was really good, but the first mint, round. <laughs> we did rounds. We put it into like an NCAA Matt Mars Madness bracket. We were talking, we took this really, really, I put them all up. You'll have to go on my Instagram and my stories. And I think you're going to have to school back because now we've done all their things. I, I, you know like, what? Now that you're telling me about this, I definitely remember the brackets, but I, this is, did, did they sell all the varieties at your local grocery store? They did. Yeah, <gasps> they had, well, they had most of them. So I picked, I think at the time we only did eight, which I got a lot of feedback later that we didn't include like lemon and some other things. So I think we're going to have to do like a whole new bracket challenge and we'll put even more in there. But yeah, Mint ended up taking uh, taking the W home. So Mint in the D'Amato household is uh, the best uh, Oreo. Oh, my God. The next time you are in New York, I'm about to take you to some places to have your mind blown. Cookie Challenge 2022 on deck. I promise you. Yes. Hashtag best <laughs> friends take New York. Let's go. <laughs> Kira, so grateful for you. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us all your details. So I'm on Instagram is probably where I'm most active at Kira D'Amato and Kira is K-E-I-R-A. I I think you'll find me either way, but um, I break that spelling rule. So I think it's a little confusing. The I before E except after C. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Strava. I love Strava. And it's so like I started getting into Strava before I started running competitively. So like my whole journey is up there. So you can see the progress. And I love Strava for me because I was getting like kudos and I was connected to a running community, even though I was running totally alone. So all of a sudden I felt like I felt kind of like a lone wolf. And now I just have this whole running community of people giving me kudos or holding me accountable. So I really love Strava as um, just like a social media, but I'm on Twitter, Kira D'Amato. I uh, run around a lot. So you've probably seen me running through your neighborhoods. So just, just, you can just wave to me too, or honk. <laughs> I'm cool with that. So uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think those are all the ways. 
Strava's people, you can feel free to email hello at hurdle.us to license that clip for your next marketing campaign. I am over <laughs> at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Bye.